This week we are talking with Rob Smith, a theologian who lectures in systematic theology and ethics at Sydney Missionary and Bible College in Australia. He approaches the topic of the transgender revolution as a biblical theologian, as a historian of the movement, and as a pastor whose own family has been touched by the realities and the tensions of gender dysphoria. Rob, we Christians hear it all the time. Uh, Transgender is an issue of what someone wants to do with his or her own body. It's not abortion. It's not murder. It is the it is the choice of a person who wants to change his or her own body. So, what would you say to the transgender community that says to Christians, "Hey, leave us alone. If you think we're hurting ourselves, we're only hurting ourselves. So be it. What I do with my own body is none of your own business." What is the proper Christian response to to that opposition? Yes, this is a, a great question that. Uh I guess it's a challenging one for, for many. We, we're really told to back off. Uh, you know, uh, even non-Christian friends of mine who, for example, just to jump over to the issue of same-sex marriage, who, who would say, well, look, I, uh, I don't understand same-sex attraction and I'm not in favor of same-sex marriage, but who am I to, uh, as it were, uh, you know, impose my view or, or uh, stand in the way of uh, what others would like to do? Um, and so similarly here, um, you know, why not just let people do what they want to do? Now, I guess one, one way of answering that is uh, to say, well, we, we care about you. Part of our love of our neighbors is to uh, desire their good. And if you think somebody is acting against their own self-interest, um, then we at least have, uh, I think, a duty or responsibility to, to say something, uh, just as we have, I think, a duty and responsibility to to, to do what we can to stop people self-harming, committing suicide, or or uh, damaging damaging themselves in some uh, in some way. Uh, of course, we do it with all kinds of other things. You know, I was looking at big adverts yesterday on the side of a bus, uh, you know, saying you know smoking causes cancer and smoking kills, and um, you know there we are warning people not to engage in activity, even though it doesn't seem to stop some. So uh, it is part of loving our neighbour to to speak up. Um, but I think the other thing perhaps to, to, to ponder is that, uh, when a person hurts themselves, it, it does hurt others. It hurts those who love them. Uh, it affects their relationships. And, uh, again, I've certainly seen this with people who've, uh, um, who have, I guess, tried to resolve their gender dysphoria by transitioning, uh, it puts well enormous strain on relationships, if if not in some cases, uh, destroys them and, and and tears families apart. And uh, I guess what what's at the heart of that is you're watching some of you love go through well, you know, basically self mutilation in an attempt to destroy the person that they were uh, and replace that person with, with someone else with another name and. Yeah, that is uh, has a profound impact on relationships. Now, it doesn't have to destroy them, and uh, certainly in many cases where Christian people have uh, hung in there and walked alongside uh, those who've um, made some of these choices uh, and uh, said, we don't agree, but we're not going anywhere. We're going to keep loving you and uh, reaching out to you, and we want to be there to care for you. But we, we still think what you're doing to yourself is actually is uh, is 
tragic and uh, may well be something you come to later regret. And that, that's, I guess, a, a thing we ought to be aware of. That the instance of regret is, is astronomically high. And, of course, those who take these radical steps of, uh, of sex reassignment surgery, well, there's just there's so much that cannot then be undone. You know, once things have been cut off, they can't be put back on again. And uh, it's, it's heartbreaking uh, to see. So that I guess that's how I re- would respond to that. Um, obviously, there are certain freedoms people have, and we can't in the end stop people who are of age making use of um, you know, these sorts of treatments that are available to them, which, of course, raises another question of whether they should be available to them, but, but that's, uh, that's a harder question to, to answer, and perhaps uh, that, that genie's out of the bottle, sadly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've sped right past the ethical medical question about breaking healthy bodies. But I'm thinking now of my next question. Uh, this is certainly not true of you. But what do you say to to critics of Christians who imply that if you don't have a personal network of close transgender friends, you have no basis on which to oppose the transgender revolution? Uh, it, does does that question make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does, and it's, uh, I guess, a, again, a common challenge that's put to Christians <clears throat> on a range of fronts. Uh, and, of course, not, not all, all of us do or can have uh, transgender friends. You don't just go out and decide, I'm going to get some transgender friends now. Um, uh, those of us who do know transgender people, that, that, that's something that's just sort of happened in, uh, under God's providence in life. Now, obviously, if you do know uh, those who are either suffering gender dysphoria or sought to transition from uh, one gender to another, then that will perhaps give you a certain insight into, uh, again, the distress uh, at the heart of gender dysphoria and and why some people feel driven to resolve that distress uh, this way. Uh, but that, uh, even if you don't have those relationships, you, you know, we all have the capacity to read and understand and, and to develop insight and compassion and uh, and have enough of a grasp of issues to um, to speak to them and to raise our questions about them and to uh, in an appropriate way oppose them so yeah look I, again I think it's just a uh, it's a way of trying to silence you know, any objection I think to, to come at things this way um, but it does I suppose put the onus on Christians to at least get as good a grasp on things as we can whether or not we actually have personal uh, contact or connection with with transgender friends, uh, and one of the things, of course, uh, it, it's good to do. I mean, if you if a person really wants to understand these issues better and they've never ever spoken to a trans, transgender person, well, there are obviously ways of uh, of uh, of making contact with people and or asking a friend of a friend and um, say, look, I'd just like to sit down and and hear your story and understand what it's like to be you and how you got to where you got to and, and, and just listen. That itself can be a useful thing to do, uh, not as a way of just changing your view. And sadly, uh, I think, uh, uh, I guess this is one of the ways that, um, again, Christians can be, be silenced or have our sort of views um, muzzled uh, is by saying, look, you know, who are you to deny my story? Or, or, you know, or if you listen to my story, then you'll, uh, that will cause you to back off. Well, I think, no, we need to listen to stories, but uh, then make sense of those stories in the light of Scripture and, uh, where appropriate, respond and, 
advise or, mm-hmm. or what have you. Yeah, tough love. And with tough love, uh, I think you bring a very warm uh, pastoral tone whenever you talk about this issue, as listeners, I think, can tell in this conversation. This is true of your lectures as well. I want to commend you for that. Well, thank you. Yes, well, certainly. I mean, tone is huge because Christians engage in what seems to be two different conversations. Uh, so keep talking about this. How do we as Christians winsomely confront the prophets of transgender revolution in our culture, especially in the uh, political realm, while not alienating those who are more quietly wrestling with transgender impulses and, and loving them pastorally? How do we pull both of these things off well? Yeah, this is uh, one of the challenges um, because we're not uh, yeah, dealing with sort of a one-size-fits-all situation. We've got sort of on, one, on the one hand, you've got uh, you know, adv- advocates, activists, um, ideologues, experimenters you know, who are uh, really determined to reconstruct society and deconstruct gender and, and uh, destroy the, the concept of a gender binary and, um, and you know, that's a dangerous ideology. I think it, 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 it's going to. Well, it's already reaping havoc in in Western society, and so yeah, that does need to be challenged. It does need to be opposed. Of course, anything we challenge or oppose, we need to do that with uh, you know as uh, as Paul says, with uh, uh, with graciousness and uh, seasoned with salt, and as Peter says, with gentleness and respect. And um, so we need to engage with civility, and we need to know what we're talking about. We need. Um, we've got to be careful we don't overstate and overreach. We need to be on top of sometimes facts and figures and uh, if we're going to engage meaningfully and helpfully. Um, so there's, there's a, a whole manner of in, uh, engagement there, um, but we need to engage. Now, on the other hand, of course, you've got the, I guess, the pastoral context that you mentioned, uh, uh, people who are genuine sufferers with whom we're trying to build relationships and um, and and provide love and care and support and, and what have you. And so, you know, juggling those two things is not always easy. And, uh, well, just to perhaps to give you a little personal insight, I suppose, um, you know, sometimes when my wife and I have spoken publicly on these uh, issues in a certain Forum, and we've wondered whether people we're talking to personally uh, might become aware of that uh, that lecture or, or, or even listen to it. Um, we've sort of given them a heads up on that and said, "Look, we just want you to know we're going to be speaking about this these issues, just so there's no surprise there." And I suppose even just to think in terms of, um, uh, say, a pastor who decides to preach on this, if he's got somebody he knows in the congregation with whom he's already in conversation, who is struggling with agendas for a uh, very right and appropriate to go to them beforehand and say, listen, I'm going to be preaching about this on Sunday. I'm, is it, this is not a way, get, a way of getting at you. It's not my way of trying to say things to you that I'm too afraid to say to you face to face. This is for the benefit of the, of the congregation. And uh, so I just want you to know that up front. And uh, again, I, I, there are ways, I guess, of just managing that tension by between saying well what some may perceive as harder things in a public sphere uh and uh, softer things in a in a private context but at the end of the day uh, the truth is the truth now a message is the same and and uh i guess our political engagement and pastoral practice it can't be two completely separate things it's the same understanding that's generating both it's a it's a common love of neighbor that is generating both it's a um 
you know, it's a concern for individuals and society that's uh, generating that. So I think it, you can juggle, but yeah, I think we've just got to work with that tension. Yeah, we sure do. Thank you, Rob. And Rob will join us again tomorrow, and we will tackle a very somber topic in this discussion, and it concerns the high suicide rates among transgender folks who feel the brokenness of life, especially painfully. So do sex change operations curtail suicide rates, and what do the stats say? There are seasons when this podcast is heavy. This is one of them. But thank you for listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast with guest Rob Smith from Sydney, Australia. For more details about the podcast, to subscribe to the audio feed or send us a question of your own, go to our home at desiringgod.org forward slash Ask Pastor John. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. We'll see you tomorrow.